Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Mari, I'm so happy to have you here again. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, we recorded some months ago for the Ultimate Coach podcast, and I just observed that you have transformed so much that that interview would not do you proper justice. So we have to begin again. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing the difference. In yeah. Me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like, so it's like been a whole year since the Ultimate Coach book came out. Mm-hmm. Did you originally read it last December or when were you introduced to the book? No, no, I... Actually, yes, you're right. I did read it. I, I was introduced to the book by, I don't know her last name, but her first name was uh, Philippe, and we were together in other group with Rich Litvin. Mm. And she told me about um, possibility of coming to um, writing with Steve Hardison from Arizona to uh, Santa Monica uh, in Los Angeles, and she lives in um, Sweden. So... She said, yes, I'm reading this book. And I've heard the name of Steve Hardison from Rich Litvin a couple of times. And then when she says she's going to travel with him to come back, and I said, why would you do that? Why? What's so important about this? You know? And she goes, no, he's, he's written this book, and I've read the book, and before it comes out, and she's told me about all of that. And, and then she, she goes, I really need to travel with him to come you know, and get more of him. And to my head, my very judgmental head, I just said, well, who's this big shot? <laughs> Steve Hardy said that they just want to drive with him 10 hours. Are you guys nuts? You know, but when she said she got the book and I was into reading all the books that everybody was saying, you know, and at that time um, I had read for the second time, the book of Byron Katie, Loving What Is, I thought, hmm, I want to read this book. So once they said the book was out, um, I think I saw it on, I don't remember, probably on, on Facebook that the book came out. I got it on my Kindle and I started reading it. And it's amazing that from its minute one, I read it. I never read it about who Steve Hardison is. As I was reading it, I just felt a is kind of like it's written about me, my misery, my difficulties, uh, my growing up. Like when they're talking about what is going on in his household when he's a kid with his mother and all of that. And I said, God, this sounds so much like me, except my father was not, not an alcoholic guy, but he was yeah. a tough guy. And, you know, and I, I took all of that in as mine, as me and my story, you know, mm. And um, soon after, I saw, oh, they're having a Facebook group, and this guy, Eric Lovham, is doing a Facebook. And I said, what is that? And I thought, I'll join anyway. I think the first 
day I saw it, I said, I joined what the heck kind of a thing, you know. And I did join and I read and I watched the Facebook things coming out and I read and I watched the Facebook coming out and I, it kept on going on with me. And every time I read and I just watched something in Facebook, it resonated more and more and more. And uh, then you re- realize it's like when you go and eat somewhere, a very tasty food and it said, I want to go back to the same place and have the same yeah. food. And that was for me, I kept on reading one. I'm really badly ADHD. So it's very hard for me to write. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for me to focus. I was reading the chapters and then I'm reading it. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. And then all of a sudden I see my mouth is reading, but my brain is like in Zimbabwe somewhere. So I'm gone somewhere else. From <laughs> one word in there, I'm just, oh, hey, brain, come back. <laughs> you know? So I had to read one paragraph very many times. It's hard for me to focus. You know, so that was my story. And that's how I got into it. And it's been most life-changing. As you said, you saw the change. When we did the first interview, I hadn't grasped the potential that this book can have on, on the individual. I was still busy having the pity party for me when we mm. had the first interview. That, oh, this poor me, how has, she has to suffer for everything that has happened in life. And this poor me, especially was in the end of the pandemics, I was shocked what had happened to me with, with my work, with my everything, you know. So, yes, it was a massive shift. Hmm. So since we spoke then, what was the... What helped you to come out of the woe is me and make it a whoa, it's me? <laughs> um, really, I must say the one that made me really comprehend everything and take it like go in my heart and soul and grasp it. It was a great help that Eric Plaffel did to me and for mm. me, you know, and um. I understood lots of it parts in a better way. It became more tangible for my heart and soul ever since, uh, because I'm a coach and I was trying to help others, but I needed a business coach to take me in a right road of a business. Mm. Being a fitness trainer for 30 years and a life coach, I never had to advertise for me. It advertised for me. I never spent a dime advertising. Uh, my job, my being in the middle of a gym, my personality advertised for me. But now oh, I'm out of the gym and I'm, I'm behind a computer and I need a lot of learning to do. And that was another thing that had depressed me because computer itself is a language of its own. Mm-hmm. So not only English is my second language, not only I'm in a fitness world, And the coaching that I did, which was separate from the computer, now I'm adding this on. And it was like my ADHD brain was freezing and it caused me quite a bit of a depression and fear. Mm. You know, that will I be able to make it like how I made it when I was in the middle of the gym, you see. And um, that was for me like a step back. But really, um, Eric Lopin, when I hired him as my coach, which I'm so 
please, that was a great step I did. Eric helped me to see the book and feel the book in the most tangible way that I would have never been able to do it by myself. And that's why I felt like that real me finally, you know, was this got discovered, got freed out of me. It's like my wings came out and I could fly. And I've been flying ever since. <laughs> so what, I, what I'm hearing you say is like you really discovered that your personality can be um, translated in social media just as well as it is in person. Like it doesn't diminish your um, your beautiful personality to be behind a computer screen. Oh, thank you for saying that. You know, yes, I just, I was always exactly like what I am today. Mm-hmm. But the computer frightened me so bad. Mm-hmm. And I went like, I got frightened. I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. So oh. I am trained not to be afraid when I'm out there, you know. But I saw the media as this monster that I have no idea how to fight it. Mm-hmm. I can slap somebody on the face. I can kick somebody. I can, I'm, truthfully, I've done it in the past. Right. I can punch someone because I'm trained how to do it. But I wasn't trained how to deal with this monster, which is called media, computer, Instagram, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I went to my shell. I hid badly and miserably. And it was like I had one eye out and I was peeking out to see like what's where, what's what. Oh, let nobody see me, you know. And I went back into my shell, you know. But it, I feel like I was born again mm-hmm. with an immense help that I got from my precious Eric. I say he's my child. He's the son I've never had. <laughs> <laughs> so... What, what, uh, was there a particular part of the book that he, um, guided you to, or is, what was it that, uh, the fear, the section on he fear, okay. who do you need to be to, um, recognize your fear or deal with your fear? I don't remember the sentence exactly. I don't have the book with me to read it. Who do you need to be to, Face your fear or release your fear, something like this. I don't want to ruin the book and just say something that I don't know. Um, it, was, um, it was like that. And is dealing with the fear and the judgment. Mm, let's talk about that. You know, and the judgment. Like I judged myself immensely. And because I was so fearful, I started judging everybody else. And I said, why do they say that? Why do they do that? You know, and mm. these two were the wanted. I got another idea in life, like, wow, I've been judging myself and others. Hmm. And not that it's gone completely, right? Because, like, it's a process. Listen, if somebody says, I'm completely free of judgment, you better know they're full of bullshit. (laughs) My best English music. (laughs) It's not true. You listen, here I am yesterday. And the other thing that that was it yesterday, day before yesterday morning, I was talking with, I had the pleasure of having a call with Steve Hardison. And the way he was just talking to me about whatever we were talking about, but the way he was so loving 
And he said about the story of love, that it has to be love about everybody and everything. The most simple way they said, you know, we're in New York, we're visiting for Christmas. And we were walking yesterday and we got this building that belongs, I won't mention name, but some political name. And I don't like that person at all. And as we were walking, I started saying to my husband something nasty about that person and the building. And I said, I would never put my foot in this building and blah, blah, blah. And as I said that, I heard Steve's voice in my ear about, because as Steve was talking to me, he actually mentioned this person's name (laughs) before it. And he goes, this is, you just have to look with, with this have the glasses on and glasses of love to see it. And um, I quickly, like instantly, within five seconds of it, I heard this voice of Steve and I thought, I need to stop this. And I said it out loud to my husband immediately. I said, you know what? What I just said is not loving. This is coming from judgment. I need to let him be. I need to send him blessings and love in I take my words back and I don't want to hate him and I don't want to not love him. I'm going to send him love instead of hatred from now onwards. And I quote myself, it's just that when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. Yeah. You know? Oh, Fari, I celebrate you for that. That, you Thank know, you. that's so beautiful because this is how we change the collective consciousness. Yes. With yes. that choice to be loving in the way we think about people and yeah. choosing not to judge, you know, and um, I, I love that. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. I mean, mm. exactly like when you said it's not finished, that I said it's, so, it's a bullshit that they say. The night before it, I said, oh, I will not judge. Oh, I will not judge. Boom, yesterday morning. There is <laughs> Just checking to see if you're true to your word. Let's exactly. see. Let's walk past this building. Oh, I'm in full judgment. Yes, I'm judging. Oh, no. Wait, yeah. what just happened? I'm judging. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah. You know, and it's like you're being tested. Yes. I love to say God tests you. Lots of people don't like to use the word God. They say universe tests you. Whatever you believe on, that's fine. But I feel like God is testing me all mm-hmm. the time. Of course. Whatever I say, I am it. And then I'm just thinking, How can I be a coach to someone when I am not doing the right thing? Hmm. And when I quote myself, it helped me to see myself last night when we had the gathering here by the young girl that was here, that I, in my head, the judgment was going to go on. And I quote myself and I thought, last night when I went to bed, I thought about it. Okay, I quote myself, I was going to judge her, but I will speak to her and I'm going to tell her that was, I was going to judge her. And that's where she has some problems. And if she wants me and if she allows me, I will tell her what I was going to judge her about and what I think others see here that she is not getting what she wants in life. So Mm -hmm. instead of judging her, I started talking to my thoughts that if it come out, it would have been the judgment and I turned it around. Hmm. How can I have, how can I find a way to help this young girl instead of saying, oh, she's this and she's that and she's that and she's that. So you begin to turn it around, or at least I do now, that instead of just throwing it out there and judge it, instead of judging her, 
I will take it into how can I turn into this to a conversation with the person. Hmm. Yeah, I love how you're in the practice of uh, recreating the way you think and the way you be. You know, um, we're all students at all time. Hmm. If we allow. Yeah, if we want to be students. That's why, <laughs> of course. I mean, unless you go to the college and enroll, nobody says, well, come, come here, right? <laughs> it's the same concept. You, we're all students at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a student so, of learning. You're a stu- student of learning yourself the way then, you think. Yeah. And yeah. dealing with my imp- imperfections and how to lead them in towards being better because I don't know if I can ever be perfect nor do I want to be perfect. I'm only human. But I want to be a harmless human to others and Mm. not to myself. Right. Like it says in the book, um, everyone's worthy of my love and not worthy of my judgment. Or maybe I've paraphrased it, but it's something like that. No, no, that's exactly. It is so like when they say, write your declaration and your document, I I write it and I just put it aside because I am not it yet. And I said, I don't want to just say it for the heck of it. I have to know that when I'm reading it, it's coming from an authentic place. And I mean it. And I can control my anger, which it's gone like beyond and above being able to control now. I was a very angry woman. And I dealt with it all these years through fitness. Yeah. You're mad, go punch the bag. You're mad, go lift the weights. You're mad, do nice. Get a black belt in Taekwondo. (laughs) (laughs) Or do the yoga uh, class. And because I'm I'm, I'm like a certified Pilates, so I have my own office with my Pilates in it. Sometimes when I just got mad at somebody that is out there in the gym and I'm in my office with my Pilates, I would do one pose like 100 times. So I know that like I'm dealing with my anger, my frustration through the fitness, which I really don't understand why today with the mental health that goes on and depression, how they don't, um, how they don't give them a treatment through the fitness, which is a different subject, because I think it's the. Or not necessarily a different subject. World. Yeah. Oh. I think that <laughs> is like drug of the world um, to, instead of medicating people with medication send them for a 40 minutes run <laughs> in is I cannot tell you how much it has helped me, how much it has helped so many people that I trained in 31 years to this day, I am training and coaching on zoom. And uh, these people have been with me for years. Judy, the lady that I'm in her house, she was 53 when I started with her and she's now 71. And it goes for a long time that people stick with me. Um, It's because I am most unedited and I help them with so much depression. You know, I've dealt with it on a daily basis myself. It comes to me tomorrow. But I don't sit and think about what bottle of wine can I finish or smoke. I've never smoked anything in my life. I've never smoked pot. I mean, as simple as that. I take, I just, I take um, chamomile tea, I take, you know, stuff like that. But 
um, I, I suffer from insomnia, so I take um, CBD gummies that you chew to um, help you sleep. But I don't know how to be on any kind of drugs. And my drug of the day is my workout. Yeah. Because when I work out, for me, is I'm gone to church. Somebody goes to church painting. The other one does on a horseback riding. The person that jogs out on the street. And when I'm in the gym, you can explode a bomb next to me. I won't hear it because I'm not there physically. I am somewhere else. And when you come out of it, and you don't have to have a gym to do that. You can do your workout. I put a yoga mat down and you just need the size of a yoga mat, you know. I want to I slow down what you're talking about because you're, you're really um, throwing out a lot of golden nuggets here. So let's like oh, slow it you. down, right? So first of all, I, I love what you said about anger, right? It is such a gift. You know, it's like the body wisdom letting us know that our values are being rubbed up against, right. you know, and sometimes we, um, let's see, we haven't really been taught that it's a good thing. We've been taught that it's something to be ashamed of, right? So, um, but even in that, because you think differently and you experience life differently, you chose to uh, use that body wisdom to transmute it through fitness, right? So you, you um, are also training your clients in the same way where they honor their body wisdom, they honor their anger by um, allowing their bodies moving meditation. That's what I'm hearing you say, because you're like, you know, some people go to church and they're doing this and they're doing that. So you're doing moving meditation to honor your body wisdom, to transmute your anger. And that is your gift in the world. So I, I really want to bring it out in that way. So people understand that. And, and thank you for saying that. And, you know, I wanted you to know that that's not just a gift to me. That's a gift that is given to everybody. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to use it. We don't know it's available to use it, you know, so people take it into their food. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the two sisters that I am now training, they are both very tall and very heavy, very heavy. And I've known them for 20 years, more than that, you know, but they got heavy. And then now when I talk to them, and they've not, one of them has lost about 60 pounds. The other one lost about, I think, 40 pounds. And they're about to, but they still have some more weight to drop. And she says, and actually, they, they own a church. So they are um, African-American. I adore them. I call them both. They're my sisters from different mother. And I always, and she says, everybody came to us to get advice, but they didn't go to themselves to get advice. And I said, we all need help. But something that it wasn't introduced to them was the fitness. If they had the idea of in, you, eat your anger, you're frustrated? Okay, let me have two more, I don't know, tamales. I'm just throwing a name out. Um, I'm frustrated. Let me have one more loaf of bread, you know, uh, because they are not drinkers. They are very Christian and they're, they're delightful people, you know. But so what did they do? They became the humongous sizes. And now that they're in the goods, she was asking me, because what do you see when you work at Fari? How do you see it? 
I said, I really look at my body as that temple that they say it's a temple. It's mm-hmm. not just what Bible says your body is a temple of God. You have to know that you you wouldn't like I always say that if Jesus walks into your house and says, you know, this is Jesus. Would you put all the rubbish that you put in your body in front of Jesus? Or you buy the best piece of a steak and the best piece of a filet mignon or fish or whatever. And you say, please have it because it's Jesus. Why do you disrespect yourself? But you respect somebody else, you know. And it's just that um, I always from my childhood knew that I fit. Every time I did something with fitness was beautiful and it felt good. And the feeling of it was so delicious in my head, heart and soul. And I was a very fat kid growing up and I'm originally from Iran. And uh, my, my high school called my mom and said, she is unbelievable in volleyball. She's so, I was a very fat kid. Uh, I'm short, I'm only five, four and a half and I must have weighed about 205 pounds. And she goes, she's so heavy, but she jumps like sky high. And she is unbelievable. She let her come to the volleyball. And my mom says, oh, God, no. She's, no, 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 because she comes from a Muslim background. She goes, oh, no, I can't control her. She's going to be mixed with guys, and I can't control her. Boom. The principal told me my mom doesn't leave. I got so, I went home, and I ate so much fat that day. I was so devastated. You know, so all of that, I say that not to feel sorry for me. This is all the platform for me to get up and see where I am. Every limitation I had in life was for me to get up today and be a help for 31 years to all those people. Nothing to feel sorry for me. That's my blessing. No, I totally hear that as this moment was a defining moment for the elevation of your soul. Yeah. That's when, you know, it's because of that, that you recognize this in the people you work with now, you know, that they um, coddle themselves with food that is damaging to their body. They hide in, um, in food. Food, alcohol, drugs, all of it. You know, somebody yeah. goes to food, the other one goes. And the, the sadness thing is that they think if they eat too much and they're 100 pounds overweight, they're not addicted. And I said, go study your brain. Same part of the brain that allows you or asks you, it's time for heroin to have it. It's fine for two more glasses of alcohol to have whatever it is you eat it. The same part of the brain, ask any doctor, Google it, it's not coming from me. The same part of the brain tells you it's time to overeat. There is also the the same part of the brain that tells you it's time to love, right? So, So like you're teaching them to love themselves. Yeah. Take the food away, put the self-love and the self-respect. Tell, take the alcohol of, away. And, you know, and one of them said she was, he was um, smoking. I don't know, is that a smoke or uh, cocaine? Uh, what did he say? I think they snort cocaine. Is that what it is? So what do you do with heroin? This is how I'm learning. I don't know what the stuff Heroin, I think you. Oh, you, you inject it. Yes. yes. Yeah. Inject. So he was doing crack cocaine. And I said, but why are you doing it? Because. I have romance with it. I said, 
mm. go inside and have romance with a woman. God created men and women, because, but this is effortless. I said, that's not, you have to earn the money to go and pay $700 a week for just that stuff. That's not effortless. Are you kidding? You know, and then you go and steal from people. That's still more effort. So I had to work with his brain so much for so long. And this, so, so she's, he's not like, I think six years, um, clear and a gorgeous man, um, you know, into fitness, lost 75 pounds. But it's very difficult to, for that person to want to accept it and come to me. I cannot go to them. You, you need to want it. You, you need to want to be better. You need to want to be, who do you need to be to love yourself? Hmm. That's where the book of Ultimate Coach comes in. Who do you need to be to be a better person to yourself? And like, who do you need to be to get yourself out of this misery? Hmm. Whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whatever that is not um, good to your body, it's not a friend to your body, is that who do you need to be to be ready to give it up? Yeah. You know. And so this is now the process that you take people through. Absolutely. It's always just like, I love that. Um, who do you need to be? Hmm. You know, to be anything that you want to be in the world. And but that's why this book of um, um, The Ultimate Coach, the mm-hmm. book of game, I call it, it's my daily Bible. <laughs> and I call it, it's the Bible of being. It's not that I want to lift Steve Hardison up and down and say, oh my God, Steve Hardison is that it. Steve Hardison is already up there. doesn't need me to advertise for him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's to teach people through this book how much there is we need to learn about ourselves and free ourselves. Mm. Through this book of being, I, I look back and I just say, oh, where did she go, that fairy, that anger, frustration, an angry person that she was. And I look back and I said, oh, she's so far gone. And I can't even reach her. And I said, you know what, good, good job, good go, keep going, you know. And not that I don't get angry, don't get me wrong. It's not all gone. You know, you should have heard me the other day when we were getting a taxi <laughs> in L.A., 5 a.m. Yeah. to catch our brain. And she, he attacked us. He literally, the guy verbally attacked us. So many suitcases, I can pick it up, you go pick it up and all that. All I did, I mean, oh, my God. If this was about a year ago, I don't know what would have. All I did with my hand into his face and I said, have a lovely morning. I'm not letting you stop ruining my day. And we picked up our suitcases and put it to the back of his car. That's good. This would have not been me before. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, again, it's not. I, I, I do feel like it's necessary to state this. Emotions are a beautiful window and bridge to our spiritual self. 100%. So it's it's not that there's something wrong with the anger. It's the what you do with the anger, right? So um, like in this case, 
you had an opportunity to go into full judgment mode with the guy or to let him be on his island of judgment alone. Right. It's what and, and yeah. Really yeah. And actually recognize it because for me, as I said, for me to release my anger, it was all the time in the gym and with the fitness. And I still do that. I still do that. But because I've had to have my both knees replaced this year, it has slowed me down. And I had many complications that nobody ever had it. And so how do I deal with it now? The minute it comes, instantly, I have now trained myself that I look at it as this little kid in me that has started screaming. And I just say, oh, observe it deal with it in a different way and I quickly change I mean it this book the way I read it the way I figured it out the way I understood it it has such an immense effect on my relationship with my husband believe me um about a year ago maybe a year and a bit ago maybe a year and like a few months ago I was thinking of divorcing my husband I thought we just have to divorce because because I'm thinking in my head, I'm this perfect woman. I am the most flawless being. And he's all the flaws. And he's all the, God forbid, everyone, I ever wanted to look at myself. What do you mean? I'm flawless, you know. And all the bad things. And by reading this book, Amy, oh my God, Amy Hardison, like when he, she was talking about love, this massive chapter that starts, I think it's chapter 35, if I say it right. But mm-hmm. they love, I mean, that love chapter all the way to the 36 and all that, I probably read it like 10 times. Mm-hmm. No lie, I read it 10 times. And um, that showed me how much more I am at wrong and how much I'm ignoring my amazing, beautiful husband that God has blessed me with. And it has made a relationship. And I get so many people that they just say, what happened to you? I said, through reading that chapter of love and many other ones. But that chapter was like, boom, like took my brain out and put this brain of love in, which it was always in me. But I was guarding it with anger. You know, I'm going to go grab the book and let's read some. I was going to go and get it too. You want me to go get it too? No, I got it. Well, yeah, you can get your copy too. I'm just saying, like, let's let's look at this. Yes, it is chapter 35. And what's interesting about today, we're recording on their 45th anniversary. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's only fitting that we talk about this. Is there any particular part in here that... Um, Really, <laughs> that if you read nothing about this book and you just read that part every single day and every single night, you know, it's, it's such a great, it's, do you know, like when you go and have a CAT scan and see the mm-hmm. inside, outside of you, when mm-hmm. you do, when you read this book, it's like you're CAT scanning yourself, hmm. you know, and you can see the effect of it and the, the one that, first of all, I look at that Amy's face and I just want to shower her with kisses because I think this girl is like, not like, to me, she's a literally 
as like a walking goddess is just like, how can you be so understanding? How can you be so patient with a man that it was so angry and you changed him immensely? And that again, because Steve was ready to be changed. Right. It was his choice. Right. Yeah. It, and, and let's let's and be clear. And the one that I love is just okay. like when he says love beyond the center. Yeah, I saw every that. Every time I hear Amy is the center of my universe, just like I don't know what I feel. I don't know how that makes me feel that how did I not see my Greg is the center of my universe. And I always, when I talk about him, I always say my Greg, because not that he's just mine, but by saying my Greg is, it's more of a confirmation in my heart that it comes from my heart that how much I love this man and how much I mistreated him. Mm. You know, and I don't want to say shame on me because I no longer allow shame and blame to bring me down. It's all a matter of learning and growing. There is no shame. I lived with shame for very many years. Um, I'm 65 years old. I've lived with shame for 63 and four years, you know, and it's just, I was a great preacher to everybody. Don't let shame get you, but I let shame get me. Mm -hmm. You know, I never walked my own talk. But it was a great preacher. Yeah. Until I read this book many, many times. I mean, I am going to be so big and huge talking about this book now that I am welcoming the members, uh, the new members, because everybody has to read this book more than once, once more than five times. It has to be in a way. I, I walk and I just saying, Amy is his universe, the center of the universe. My Greg is the center of my universe. I constantly, there was this thing he just, he just sent it to me yesterday and he's talking about the part, that part, I could not find it where it is. The part that they asked him, what would he do if he was going to change? If there is one thing he could do to change the world, and is that much of a program? Paragraph that comes in and I thought, my goodness. This is not normal. This is not the normal person talking. And, and this is, oh, look at my beautiful husband brought my phone for me. This is, uh-huh. I tell you, is the center of my universe, my Greg. It's, uh, and it was, um, if you, uh, and Annie is reading it, um, I am looking at it on, um, this is a Steve Hardison that sent me this. Yeah, it says, what is one thing you would do to change the world? Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is such a beautiful thing to write and make a postcard post and send it to everybody, to everyone that you love. And mm-hmm. you say, read this. Is this something you would do? You know, because that's not something that it should be just in the book. When Steve sent that to me yesterday, when I read that in the book many times, but it was never as tangible as yesterday when that came to me and said, wow, this is what I have problem with the world. Being the Iranian woman, having been 
tormented for being, because of good old days, when I was younger, I had lots of black hair, a ton, and it was down to my elbows. And I was in London pouring with rain. I lived in London 14 years before I came to mm-hmm. America. And one morning it was pouring with rain and I was walking to work. And um, uh, it was beginning of my work there. So they call it junior. Junior, that means you go to it, like in the shop that I was working. And they were the owners. They were fabulous Greek people. Lovely. So I was the junior. That means I would be tying, tidying up the shelves and um, making everything look neat and all that. That's called the junior. Oh, okay. That's what I was a junior in that shop. And I was walking. Upstairs, where I was working, they, what they called skinheads, they were there. And imagine me, young, 20, then I was probably 20, maybe two, right? Because I went there 21. So now I'm 22, 23 years old. Long hair. I didn't have any cover on my head or anything. And I was just walking to work. The skinheads from the top, they poured a green color paint on my head, um, on me, uh, all over me, mm. you know. And I had a rain jacket, but we were young and we wanted to be just wet. Why not? Is your hair, you just get wet. I didn't have any makeup on nothing, you know. And I ended up having to shave my hair because the hair wouldn't come up, the paint wouldn't come up. So I went through, like, this is like the most simplest one. But I went through so much things and I just think I always like I hated them. And I said, well, now today I look at them and said, God bless you. I hope mm-hmm. you've learned better in life. Thank you for what you did to me. I grew from it. I'm a stronger person. You know, all the sufferings that I had at home, like my father beat me up. I used to cry about it, talk about it. And I said to them, said, I just remembered that my father beat me up. But I forget to say all the good stuff about him too. He was a very strong man. I've become strong. He was a very powerful man. I became powerful. He loved the people. I love people. He was massive in fitness, massive in fitness. He was a famous guy when he was younger, back in Iran. Fitness became my profession for 31 years, making six-figure year after year. In the heart of Los Angeles, when nobody could get a job as a trainer, where I was working <laughs> and trainers were just like, didn't know what to do. I had a waiting list for me. So all the blessing that I got from my father, why do I forget that? And I sit and cry, oh yeah, he hit me. Okay, so what? Thank God he hit me because I became stronger. I love that. You see, this is why we had to re-record this because this part of the conversation was different last time. So I'm <laughs> so happy to see that. And I even see it in your, your bio that you sent over, you know what I mean? Because um, like one of the things I say, you know, um, in my story, I, I'm very clear that it's because of the way my ex-husband was that I have a business. I'm so grateful to him, you know? In fact, while I was like the, maybe the week after we got separated, I was being interviewed about how to uh, help your husband to engage better with children, right? This oh is the week after we got separated. Mind you, he had been arrested. Like, that's how we got separated. I like, the cops know. took him out of my house, right? And I said, you know, it's, you know, I'm so grateful for the way he is because it helped me to connect deeper with my children. It helped me more importantly, connect deeper with myself because 
you know, I could have been the wife that whines about how horrible my husband is and how much he doesn't love me. But instead, I was like, how can I be the example of the love I want from him? Right. And that was my focus from that day on. And, you know, and in some respects, I would say it changed our marriage, but mostly it changed me, which was the better part. And in the end, our marriage dissolved, which is the best part, because now I get to love me even deeper. And that's what I'm hearing you say. It's like, you know, you're no longer complaining about the horrible part of your dad. It's just like, I'm so grateful for my dad because of him. I'm this, you know, I have this magnificent um, fitness company. I have these clients that love me and they're learning self-love from me. I've learned how to love me so much deeper. And now because of the ultimate coach book, I can show people what it's like to be self-love. Exactly that. It's, it's very simple to allow the shame to get you. It's very simple to have the blame knocking you down. You know, um, I have huge problem. We are a very big family. We're a sisters and brothers. And um, we just lost a brother last year whom I hadn't seen in 40 years, sadly. And he is my half brother from a separate mother. And uh, it's very sad not to see him because he was in Iran and there I was 44 years ago. I left Iran, you know, and um, the rest of my sisters and brothers, we just don't get along at all. And I always had this anger and frustration for him. But now I've completely changed that. I am still not talking to them. I only talk to one brother and one sister because it's a matter of, is somebody coming to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I forgive. But until then, I send them love every single minute I think about them. I send them blessings every single time, but I don't have to be with them. Just like as Steve always says, they're not my tribe. They are my family and they deserve my love. So they get my love all the time. And one brother and sister that I am in touch with, I have so much fun with. And we enjoy each other and no one ever talks about the other one because we've decided so. Our conversation is about me and the two of them when we talk. And it's just that recognition that every single one should have if they want to have a better life. Who do you need to be is the, the start of it. Where do you want to go with whatever you decide in life? And once you learn, who do you need to be to deal? Now that I have the book, I can just get the page and just say, I mean, these two, three sentences are just life-giving for me. That who do you need to be to alter? My, who do I need to be to alter my relationship with fear? Hmm that and who do I need to be to be at peace with my past hmm. these two are plenty good for me 
to want to correct everything else in life. The fear and the past, because I had allowed it, had paralyzed me. And I learned how to deal with the fear, have a relationship with the fear. And I cannot say enough how much I have been healed because of this and how much I am a better person for my clients as their coaches uh, and as their coach and as their trainer, how I'm a better wife to my husband. I'm a better person to my friends. Everybody sees and notices the difference in me. They, they just said to me last night as we were sitting and having a gathering here, and they said, but why do you coach people when they call you in your vacation? I said, I don't have a job. I have a calling. Mm. I didn't choose coaching. Coaching called me and chose me. Therefore, people can call me at 10 o'clock at night if my phone is on because I turn the phone off when, I, when we go to bed. But if somebody calls me and says, what do I do now? I'm not saying, sorry, the office is closed because my heart is open all the time. Hmm. You know, and uh, as a human, when you're a coach, you're not just a coach as a job, I don't believe. You are dealing with people as a true human from love. And I just figured that out with this. Also, when I see on a Sunday morning, Steve Hardison calls me and talks to me for 37 minutes when I've never paid him a dime. It encourages me more to be even more of a better version of me. And that's why I always smile. And I'm happy. No more sadness. Gone. Finished. Stop it. It's your choice. Yeah. It's a choice. I always say life is all about the choice. Choose alcohol. Choose happiness. Choose drugs. Choose, choose true willingness to be happier and healthier. Choose food. Choose misery. Would you want to choose? It's all about choose. It. Yeah. Choose who you want to be. Correct. That's beautiful. Fari, you know, I am so excited that you agreed to redo our conversation because <laughs> this is like, this is the true Fari, you know, who, who was always there, you know, and I'm so happy that you, you are choosing her. I am too. And I thank you for actually seeing that in me. It's very interesting that you said that when we recorded before and I was going to call you, I even talked to Eric about it. And, and I said, I think we need to do a, a redo. And then he goes, well, why didn't you do that? I'll put the second one so you can see the changes. And I said, no, no, I don't think I'm happy with that. And suddenly you called me and then you texted me and you said, uh, I think we need to do this. I said, did you talk to Eric? I really <laughs> thought you talked to Eric. <laughs> he said, no. And then I'm asking Eric, did you talk to Cordelia? And she goes, no. And he said, my God. So, you know, this is my theory about that. When there's something like deep in your soul that right. knows and desires something, you actually magnetize the manifestation of that thing. So, you know, I had been observing you for a while and I had been watching, you know, like, okay, her interview is going to be coming up soon. I'm like, yeah, I don't, 
feel right about publishing this because that's not even who you are at all anymore. And I have to tell her that. So let me reach out to her. Right. And, and just simultaneously, you were in the awareness of yourself. We you know, talked about it with Eric. Yeah. Mm. This is God is nothing but God to me. To me. 100%. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. And I, Thank you for watching me. Thank you for seeing the growth. And I finally came out of a closet. <laughs> yeah, there you are. So the beautiful, lovely person that you are, Fari. Thank you, my love. Thank you so much. It's, it's a blessing. So thank you. I am so grateful that you um, see the changes. I want, I feel and feel the changes. I want the world to see the changes and I want my changes to be that much more for everybody else. You know, the, um, there is um, my beautiful brother is calling me now from Germany and he has been fighting cancer. He's been living in Germany for over 50 years. He's been fighting cancer for years and years and years. He got it from his mother when um, he, she gave birth to him and he says, um, watching me, because the, when he watches it, it translates to, I think, German for him to understand it better. Because watching me, he sometimes goes, I, I can't believe this is you. Yeah. And it's such a joy to hear that, that my own brother can see the difference between me today and yesterday and between me and the rest of the sisters and brothers. Mm. So I am blessed. And really, the changes are all owed to this book. Your choice. My choice to know that this book is supposed to save me. Yeah. Now, there is not another, another, another romance or bio, uh, biography to just read it and put it to the side. It's the book to become it. And the fact that Eric helped me to find me through me, by me, was immense and that's why he's helped me with the business as well i am so grateful for everything this 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 ultimate coach is real it's true yeah i've gotten to meet your beautiful face (laughs) and very many lovely people in this group i would have never been able to meet ever yeah beautiful well Thank you for, you know, again, uh, accepting our invitation to be on the Ultimate Coach Podcast and for sharing your story and gift with the world. Thank you for even acknowledging me and having me here. Thank you. Thank you. Grateful forever. It's my joy. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be used.